0: There are some moments during a journey as an entrepreneur that everything looks like a black hole. You don't see the market. There are problems everywhere in your organization. Maybe you are in that moment with some cash problem, you know? And this is a moment when a lot of, cast, a lot of entrepreneurs stop fighting. You have to be resilient. There's some moments when you don't have the real idea how to solve problems, but you have to trust yourself and your organization that there is always a solution. And don't be panic.
1: Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel. With your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globe-trotting adventurer, let's go. Jeff Maynes. Hey, let's go. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where every time a bell rings, it's another Amazon delivery. I'm your host, Jeff Maynes. I help B2B SaaS founders scale and exit, creating profitable growth maximum valuation, impact, and freedom so that you build a stellar business and hang out with your family over the holidays instead of being on your phone or laptop. And you know, that's really what we want to do this week for sure. It is a big, big holiday week. First up, I want to say happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah began just a few days ago on Sunday. Tonight is the third night. It's the festival of lights, rededication, and great, great food. Latkes, especially I'll say uh, sweet potato latkes, Sufa Ganyat, amazing stuff. And uh, a very Merry Christmas to y'all as well, coming up this next Sunday. Similarly, fantastic food, sometimes kind of a repeat of Thanksgiving, which is awesome. Time with family, and of course, celebrating the reason for the season, Jesus, and the ultimate gift of salvation. I'm forever grateful for that. So thank you for sharing this time with me, whether you're in the office at home or on the road, you know, planes, trains, automobiles, definitely this time of year, but you know, you're the reason that I do this and I really appreciate the feedback and support that you've given the show this year. It has been an amazing year, really looking forward to what we're doing in 2023 and the new season. Some amazing announcements coming up about that as well. In last week's episode, we talked with multi-time SaaS founder, Massimo Aragoni, the CEO of B, an amazing SaaS that gives everyone the ability to create beautiful email and landing pages, regardless of technical skill. It's pretty fantastic. Anytime you spend time with an experienced founder, you learn things. And Massimo absolutely delivered the gold. Obviously, he loves what he's doing. If you missed it last week, go back and check it out. My guest this week is Angela Coletta, founder and CEO of Zakiki, a platform to help brands build engaging customer experiences through customization and personalization. They do it, check this out, using 2D, 3D, and augmented reality. Yep, augmented reality. When I first heard that, I'm still thinking about having dinosaurs dance along with you on social media, but it's way better than that. What Zakiki is doing for the B two B customer journey is unreal. Kind of like that the Brad Paisley song where he sings a glory, glory, hallelujah. Welcome to the future. Well, welcome to the future, Zakiki, and the future of the buying journey. I mean, the future is here. So let's welcome CEO of Zakiki, Angelo Coletta. Well, hey Angelo, welcome to SaaS Fuel.
0: Oh, thanks Jeff for joining me and inviting your podcast.
1: Yes. Well, tell me a little bit about your background and a serial entrepreneur, three exits, you've been incredibly successful. Tell me about that journey.
0: Oh, I start my journey to say no to everyone that what I am mean. No. So I was without <laughs> jobs, I have to invent something to do. <laughs> there you go. That's a great start. <laughs> what I have thinking during all my life that when I do something. There is always one way to do it. I started my business career as a waitress. <laughs> so my family is not, you a know, plenty of money. So it was a very normal family. So I have created everything by my own and started making waitress. Then I just found myself in a disc jockey. I started organizing concerts, shows and others. And with this amount of money, when I finished my university, I became a consultant and at, during the two, three years of consulting, I decided, hey, no, you have to make a system integrator. So I created a company like a system integrator because I want to apply the ideas that are in my mind inside the company. Then I have sold this to a big one and yeah, system integration is nice, but many times you can have the control of the process inside the company. So I didn't feel that, you know, because. I make some things that some stupid guys don't practice it, or maybe they spend two years to do something that we can do in one month. And so I decided to create a product company in the field of ticketing, a player like Ticketmaster. I became the second player in it, or maybe between the first and second player in it, and I sold to a multinational company. Five, six years ago. Then I bought another startup in the cinema ticket as a a period that I love ticket because maybe when I was younger, I was a disc jockey, stay always in a disc and a concert. So, ticket is a piece of my life. I bought this company in a super precise stage and in three years and a half, it became the first player in Italy and I've sold to a media company. In the meanwhile, I'm a pretty different company. I have another system integrator. Ah, sorry. But fortunately, I'm only the president, so I don't spend any time in that business. I have different shares in many startups I've invested in. I'm in the board of some companies. And five years ago, I started my last startup. And now, fortunately, is a scale-up. That is the Kiki. This is a very interesting journey because we have started from scratch around the table and a pizza, I I decided in one night that this is my next step. And now the company is, you know, we are 40 guys, we have 7,000 customers around the world. We serve people in 130 countries. So it looks like a new nice journey and I hope to transform ZEKIKI in another few years in one of the best players in this niche in the world so what is serial entrepreneur from my side to have ideas and uh, energy to don't think about problems and spend your time for finding solution trusting
1: yourself that you will find it with your team that's a great philosophy so tell me a little bit about zakiki how did you come up with the idea and what does it do the first ideas comes out looking on the beachside people that have
0: hundreds of tattoos on their skin, you know, I say, oh, we are becoming really a society based on image, signs, no. Maybe we are person without content inside, but with a lot of signs outside. So in this apotheosis, you know, my idea is that, you know, always in, during the story, the, the field, you know, the, the need to have something specific only for you, you no, know, was severed by the artisans. So this is not new. But now, on one side, everyone's need to feel special, and they want some sign on their skin, on their dress, on their watches, on their shoes to show that you are a particular guy. And on the other side, and this is the news, many industry. Because of the robotics, you know, they can provide now an art craft, not made by hands, but made by robots at the same cost. Generally, they can produce it at the same cost or maybe a very similar cost to a mass production. I have seen a, a great opportunity in a market where there is millions of customers They want to be served like from artisan on the other side, the industry that can transform itself in an artisan industry. And so, these big needs linked to some technology like 3D rendering of web, low poly, prion, AR, they are going to be mature. These things mixed together give me the ideas that there is a possibility to create a layer to enable merchants to offer their customers this new type of experience and power the e-commerce as now we know. And I think that this revolution will be the strongest revolution in e-commerce in the next 10 years. My idea is that in the last 15 years, you know, when e-commerce stopped, maybe 15 years, 10 years ago, we have only one product, one price. Then you have to pray to know how they can deliver you and when. And you have to find a way to pay credit card or cash, not and more than this option. Okay. Now we have an ecosystem of services around e-commerce, hundreds of photos, 360 photos, hundreds of ratings and review, description, an economy of service you can pay in 10 different ways, you can receive it wherever you want in a really short time. Then if you don't like the product, you can refund it in a every kind of services has been created around the product page. What we need now, I think it's possible. It's it's a piece of this solution is that we can create a layer of visual experience. Not only online, but in your physical store too. Online, the idea is to help people to have an experience that looks like more physical and maybe manage your products, customizing it. Right,
1: customizing personalization
0: and on the other side of the physical stores, to put the, a layer of digital experience. And so I think that this visual layer that is more omni commerce than only for e-commerce is something that flow through the channels and will create a new era of e-commerce. My opinion is that in 15 years, no one in this field can be offered a piece of customization, a piece of AR, a piece of trial, a piece of configuration, a piece of 3D modeling. So we are in front of revolution. I think that we will not recognize the experience in the e-commerce space that we have now
1: in 10 years. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. If you look at some of the companies that have come out, you know, Warby Parker, for example, was one with glasses. You know, who would ever think that you could sell glasses online, but then they can try them on virtually?
0: Uh, big customers in Europe. The name is now. They use us to configure glasses, put any sentences uh, with laser engraving, and then you can try in front of your web camera on yep. PC or your mobile phone. So, and this has changed totally how they are selling their eyeglasses.
1: And it's revolutionary to be able to do yeah. that and yeah. and be able to see that and you know what is it going to look like on. But then you take that a step further and just the personalization, whether it's shirts or mugs or hats or, you know, whatever it is that you might go buy at a physical store that you can personalize and get that for the same
0: cost. Yeah. For example, we have Armani that uses us only in the physical store in this moment. It's the contrary. They have started from the physical stores. and They want to go online in the first quarter of next year. No, so because they are training They are trying to use this experience to understand better the feeling of their customers and so to fit a bit more the global experience and then stay online in front of all their customers worldwide. Yeah, It's very interesting. And the first month of the using of the technology was very, very successful. People loved it. They have received a lot of very, very good feedback.
1: That's great. So what have been some of the lessons learned in bringing solutions to market? I mean, you've done things in the ticketing world and events and now, you know, taking those, the same kind of things. And now we have digital experiences and making them more like those physical event experiences.
0: Yeah. What I've learned is, first of all, you have to, you know, many times this company is created by tech guys. So they are in love with technology. Yeah. Technology for sure the first ingredient, without the technology that we have, we can't imagine how this works. The technical aspect is have to be, in my opinion, only one of the two, three ingredients that, from my opinion, are the basis for try to have success. So, for sure, you need a tech expertise, a really good vision of what are the technical point where you can create a competitive advantage, but. In a field like this, it's more and more important to understand hundreds and hundreds of needs and transform it in a feature inside the platform and try to offer to the merchant the possibility to use these incredible numbers of feature in the simplest way you are able to play, you know? Because to transform a complexity in a very simple thing, a plugin that everyone can use, With a very simple interface, with a clear journey inside to set up the things that your business needs. Because probably you don't need all. You know, if you are in the gadget industry, you are not so interesting the 3D configurator part of the application. If you sell sporting equipment, but you are a distributor, you can configure it, but you want to show to everyone AR because you know that you can double your conversion rate. So everyone is looking for only a piece of solution that is inside the platform. So to learn and to learn what you need to have in terms of features for each industry is a, a really complex work and need patience and need people that really spend a lot of time to understand. It's not something that you can make fast and superficial. No, it's a very Deeper job. That's why many times we have big companies sometimes because they have bought a lot of companies. They are grow fast, but the quality, really, the quality of the software, but not the soft. The experience of using software is terrible. They are more a marketing brand that not a product brand. And my opinion is that you have to balance it. In my mind, product is the king in this case, and the marketing have to work to promote a king not to transform a soldier in a king and when you met him you say oh, oh I hear you are not the king you know
1: so that happens a lot a lot of big companies have terrible experiences and big yeah. revenue because yeah. the, the marketing yeah. drives it so my lesson is you know
0: it's fantastic to be brilliant but first of all you have to be effective you have to work you know so the lesson is you have to create a team that can go deeper to understand the real needs of the market you want to serve and spend time to create a solution, not a solution, but the best solution that you have the force to imagine to make it simpler. Third, I think that you have to find guys that are not working with you only because they want to get money, they want to take stock options, for sure, it's good, but they are. Some motivation inside of them because they wanna fight for your mission. They have to love the company for it. But they can have a different motivation. You know, I have sometimes said there is someone that I've lost a battle and needs another field too, another battlefield to start the game. Maybe there is another one that wanna make a collection of success. Maybe another one is you oh, know I wanna fight from my home, I don't wanna be in the Silicon Valley to create a global success. No, another one is uh, I'm here because, you know, my girlfriend lives here and I want to create a future here. No, but there is has to be a strong motivation inside and they have to feel in love with the company. And you can't buy love. You know, it's one of the only things you can buy in life. So if they feel in love, uh, you have a really warriors. And so I'm trying to find people that, I'm trying to explain the company, the culture, the ideas, the way of doing business, that there is my company. I'm trying to find, first of all, a companions for a, a trip that we have to enjoy first of all. I like that.
1: So how do you build a team like that? What is it that you look for in building that kind of a team? How do you evaluate talent?
0: The first things that I do, I have some metrics in my mind. For example, I don't love people that in the career, in the job, I don't care about where you come from, how old are you? I don't care. Maybe you are 18 and you're a genius. You are perfect for me. You can take the responsibility for a big team and you are better than me. Okay? Or maybe you are 50, but you have not experienced. You have legacy in your mind. So it's not experience, it's a problem. Or maybe the contrary. You are fifty, but you are like a boy in your mind and your experience works for your dream, like a baby that I've seen a lot of cartoons. So, yeah, right. I'm trying to understand if there is something that is not common. I love people with characteristic. Maybe you are crazy, but on the other side you're a genius. So you need a balance. Maybe another one is a simple person, but with a very high attitude to go straight. You know, I'm trying to create like it, you know, when you have to make a cake, you know, you need a lot of things to arrive at the final CEO. So, first of all, common people have to be a small percentage. They work like a, you know, something that is useful to balance the best one. That makes sense. Yeah. Second, I'm looking for Motivation, as I told you, strong one. If I don't find a motivation that is not money, I don't get Because money is a commodity. If you are working with me, there is an average payroll in your field, in your role. So you know what you can ask me. I know what I have to pay everywhere. Sure. Yeah. So it's a commodity. So I'm not choosing you and you are not choosing me for money. If the whole idea is money, generally is people that have in their mind the idea of career. Now they have to make tactics. You right. can be tactics when you create a startup and scale up. I don't need this kind of people because in general, they need more time to decide in their position. I need people that can decide in one minute. Maybe they can stop without designing you one day, but in one day they can find a solution. I need people that they don't have to worry about fail and they have to be... Very rapid to correct a thing. Active person, they have to think about which is the best strategy. Uh, They spend a lot of time. I don't like it. (laughs) And another thing, I'm trying to select people that the idea of what is midterm in the life. This society is pushing people to think too shortly. Yeah, it's true. You have to create value. You have to say to the investor so that everything is going good, etc. Et- a lot of things. But if we see the story, you know, of the really most profitable company now, like Amazon, the others, no, they are giants, they are genius, they are people that make something fantastic. Now, for me, are only some things to understand, not to copy. Okay. But what are the characteristics? And in the whole style, Companies, the same, is to have a long-term vision and a long-term expectations. Because if I want to become a millionaire or billionaire, it depends where you come from, in 30 years, maybe it's possible. If you want to do this in five years, yes, maybe 100 million people
1: can right, reach it. Right.
0: Yeah, but it's like to say, okay, yeah, I want to make an alien during my life. Yeah, it could be possible, but it's so difficult that it's a stupid goal, you know? So I think that in general, it's better to have goals that could be very, very difficult to reach, but there is a really possibility to arrive. And this is give you a long-term vision For me, it's important. And in the meanwhile, give you another things. Success is not only to gain more or less money, but it's always, how do you do it? Which kind of people do you do it? Because we can make money in a lot of ways. Don't care about which is, for example, the impact of the social media and the population. We don't care, we gain money care a bit more, maybe we gain less. We can be Amazon and they' one of the most water balance in the industry, but you're not paying anyone in the right way, only the top managers, eh? you know. So I prefer to have maybe a less perspective in terms of money. I love people that for sure we are fighting for money, yeah? But I think that other pieces of the goals to be in your mind, you know, they have to have in your mind. And so this is what I'm looking for in the minds of my colleagues. You know, I want to feel something more, you know. Yeah, I want to make business, but you know, I love some other things and I want to spend a piece of my life for defending this value or for fighting for that or I want to spend for my family, for the education, you know. Something that is not only the business life, you know, because I don't want, you know, a business robot in my companies. So this is the way. And the idea in my mind is that everyone has to sell the talent that looks like a
1: bit in line with the general overview of the life that you have. I think that makes a lot of sense, really pursuing that culture and building something that's greater than just the dollars, just the service, but really yeah. building something that you're proud of. There's more to it than just a yeah, financial Yeah, because we are aspect. going to die.
0: Everyone is going to die. You know, when you are young, you think that, you know, you will never die, but everyone is going to die. So what is interesting is how pleasure you take during your journey and pleasure, everyone knows, is not only money. Right. I want to enjoy first of all, investor too. Many times they are looking for money, but they are men like the others, and they love adventures. You know, many times they want to follow an idea of how to be an investor. It's not the same, not for everyone.
1: Right. So when you're looking for a diverse team, how do you build that? And you know, what types of things do you cultivate outside of the job? Is everybody working on, you know, staying in their own field? You know, if they're developers, are they really focused on just development, or is there more to what they're learning than that? Is what do you think about that?
0: I think that, you know, for example, when tech guys loves history, for example, is a, a cute flag for me, because history is consequence of the social activities of people on the world, and is the contrary of the code. So it's a good balance, you know, or art make the same balance. The other things that I try to do is to use every free moment to play different things. You know, for example, I love to speak with my teams about what their patients. And I'm trying to, you know, sometimes to create moments where we can share the passion of one of them with us and the contrary. and so we can contaminate and discover yes, many times new field of patients that maybe you haven't tried before. And so this is something that, from my point of view, helps people to stay connected and to be proud to have not only the value that they can offer in the company as the role they have, but the value they can transfer the company. For the private patient that they have, that you know, they feel proud, and this is helpful.
1: That's really good. I think that helps not only culture, but just a more well-rounded organization when they yeah. have that perspective and understanding things from other fields or have other interests. What do you think about, you know, working in or taking best practices from other areas and bringing in, or what do you think about best practices overall?
0: Yeah, best practice is one of the. Phrase that I hate. No, not because they are not useful, but best practices like to say people say no. And people say is, you know, when politician, for example, I have a start follow the demoscopic analysis, they are stopping to be a politician because a politician have to invent the future and sell to the public a solution, that the public, altogether together, can find it. And the same things is in the management. For sure, we have to learn where we are. And this is the best practice. But if we want to compete with the others, we have to be different. No? We have spent a lot of time in the management school to learn our ah, competitive advantage, the difference of which kind of competitive advantages you can have. One of the most competitive advantages that you have to practice is don't make the same things or all the others of your competitor. That's great advice. You know the best practice and think, okay, I have to change something for sure, which is the best things to do. But the idea that you have to follow the best practice is one of the most stupid things that I have listened during my life. Because the best practice are useful only for the follower, for people that, is not able to create nothing, so they're not valuable person in terms of business. They're only to try to stay with the head out of the water. So they need the best practice because I like to keep you, you, know, it was better that you have learned by your own, but you are not able, so I give you a summary. So please follow this rule and you can swim a bit. But if you wanna run, this is something that works when you, have a, you are a child as an entrepreneur or a manager, but when you start to play your job, you are one of the people that have to invent the next best practice, but it will become a best practice when you will be successful. And so the others say, oh, it became successful? Oh, this is a you know, best practice to get out from this experience. The best practice, this doesn't work for the future.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, best practice, you think about a continuum, best practice is on one far end and innovation is on the opposite end. And yeah. as entrepreneurs, we need to be chasing that innovation, not just following and doing things the way they've always been done. That's not how we get new results. Yeah,
0: I think so. You have to make new mistakes to learn new things. The old yeah. mistakes you can find in the books.
1: Yeah. Best practices is just making the same mistakes as everybody else.
0: Yeah. And you can create difference between the others in terms of management. And so you can create a really competitive advantage. If you see in every services, you know, in the financials, you know, the best practice of how to create a merger, how to create, but the best things done during the financial era are always creative. They say, oh, incredible. They've done this mix together. But it's not, in the book, it's, like you know, it's not possible. For example, I a pilot of an ultralight airplane, no aircraft, and there are some things that in the manual say, you no, know, you you can do it, and what you can do it is something that can save your life in an emergency situation. But if you don't practice it, how you can use it in an emergency situation? But it's not a best practice; it's a bad practice in this case. It can, <laughs> can save your life.
1: Right. So, tell me, how do you see innovation, and uh, and how do you bring that out of your team in your companies? How do you help them be more innovative and think differently?
0: Yeah, there is a different level of innovation, you know, for sure. If you are a big company, you can deal with how create innovation. When you are small, you have to use, you know, some things that someone else has innovated and try to understand how to. Innovate a market or process or something like that using a bit of this technology. So innovation is, in my mind, is the curiosity of the man, you know? Are inventing every day because they need to discover new things, you know? So it's something like a big fire inside the mind of humanity, you know? So it's interesting. And how you can cultivate innovation? First of all, you don't have to love the status quo. You have to love changes. And every time you change something, you are going to lose something, and you have to create a game. You are going to destroy something, and you have to create a game. So to create a game, for some people, ah, oh, I have to create a game as an add For the other, woo, finally, we can create a game. No. Yes. You have to cultivate this kind of approach that the effort to create new things is what is the real fool for your mind to feel like a young boy for all your life. So I'm working hard to stimulate the idea that don't care about what we have done. Let's think about what we can try to do. You know, it's more complicated, sure. That's why it's interesting. And there are one of the things that I'm trying to do as, you know, for example, in our company, every two weeks, we have like a tech council. we call it in this way, where everyone can show to the others a technology and things that they are told. They're like, a, you know, hey, I have seen this that could be useful. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I have developed myself these small tips that for me is fantastic. Oh, I have spent three days looking at the public code that I've published by an acre, and I've seen that the structure of the codes of this application have some very interesting parts, and I think that we can do something similar, but I have another idea that we can make better. No, I'm trying to push to be curious, because if you are curious, sooner or later you will innovate something. If you don't cultivate curiosity, you don't have any chance to innovate nothing. So curiosity and try to destroy everyday the status quo is the base in my mind to have new ideas and to
1: go to new mm-hmm. routes. That's really big. I mean, curiosity I think is so important in organizations. And especially when you have, you know, marketing and not doing the same things in the same way that other companies are doing, curiosity really drives that, and being able to look outside and take ideas and pull them into your world.
0: And curiosity helps you to move your mind from your job, from what you are doing now. And so, if you don't have curiosity, you stay like this, uh, close in a small world. If you have curiosity, you are going looking around. As soon as later. Something that will interest you and you start
1: studying something new and you can innovate. I think innovation comes from that in a lot yeah. of cases. Making connections in things that other people don't because they're oh, not yeah. thinking that way.
0: For sure. For sure. I think so.
1: So how is uh, VR and AR impacting our world? What do you see the future? You know, we talked a little bit about e-commerce and customization, personalization. How do you see all those fitting together in the future?
0: I think that we are moving in this direction. It's something that is moving on the field. Technologies are growing, some specific middle output to data. Someone is creating metaverse where the VR can find the best way to explode. Someone else is imagining a metaverse where the AR is the first protagonist or player. Okay, and my opinion is that we are going to a world augmented, where the mixed reality and so on, all the experience co- linked to the mixed reality will be what we will call our universe. You know, because we are talking about metaverse, but our universe is the metaverse that our mind creates every second using some sensors eyes, touch, smells, etc. So, we are yet living in a metaverse. And I'm sure that if a baby will start seeing Avatar in his life when he was three months old, he will think that Avatar are not metaverse, but universe. No, So I think that we are changing some perception in the future. And I think that VR and AR going to be part of our life and the barrier of using devices between the universe and the metaverse are going to be destroyed step by step. And this is the really killer app, in my mind, of the future world. There's another thing, you know. Many times they ask me, what do you think about metaverse, avatar, etc., etc., no? And one of the really questions that is, you know, on the horizon, but is not now an argument in the speech is, okay, if we can create many metaverses, but we are the player of this metaverse, we have always the same time, no? So it's all immigration, maybe from a social media to a metaverse, no, but... If I have 24 hours, I will spend 24 hours in my life. And so, probably, we can have new way of spending our time, our money, new way to make e-commerce, new way to sell things, but not a new economy. But, if someone start creating avatar with AI, and we give them, like we do with our sons money in the pocket and say, let's do whatever you want. Buy your own, use your artificial intelligence. Maybe I will spend 10 minutes by day to chat with my avatar. I will spend this time. In this case, metaverse, it could be a very change game in the future because in this case, we can create a parallel economy where there is someone else that they have time to do things. And this is one of the things that, you know, I try to understand what will happen, because this is
1: interesting from my side, and it is really a very strong change. That's great. I love the perspective. So jumping back to just your entrepreneurial journey, you know, building multiple companies here, exits, everything is not always, you know, as simple as that is, hey, I built this and sold it. It was a wonderful thing. What lessons have you learned, or what have been the the biggest challenges that you've overcome along that journey?
0: There are two lessons that I remember myself every time. One is one thing is that I've learned many, many years ago, when a friend of mine told me a story, you know, that he has met a big entrepreneur when he was child because his family was a rich family, you know. But this old guy looks richer, richer than them. So he was seven, six my God, it's incredible how rich it is. And he asked him, hey, how you do this? And the answer was very short. I get up at six in the morning every day. So first lesson, you have to work hard to arrive at your goals. And this is a rule for you and your team. There's not a way, there's not a short street, you know, the 99% of the success of people i met, they made a very really hard job, you know. Second thing is that there are some moments during a journey as an entrepreneur that everything looks like a black hole. You don't see the market. There are problems everywhere in your organization. Maybe you are in that moment with some cash problem, you know. And this is a moment when a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, Stop fighting. You have to be resilient. There's a moment when you don't have the real idea how to solve problems, but you have to trust yourself and your organization that there is always a solution. And don't be panic. What I say to every one of my teams when we are in a panic situation is if there is a solution, don't worry. And if there is not a solution, don't worry. So, because when you are in panic, the first emotion is to do something. And in general, when you don't know what to do and you do something, you are going to complicate the problem that you have. These two rules is something that I have practiced during my journey. And, for example, I can tell you a small story, but only two years before, I sold my first ticketing company and a good amount of money, and I was very happy. But two years before, for a mix of casualties, I've spent six months in a very difficult financial problem because a big player don't pay me, another one has a problem with an artist, so the money were blocked away. And many millions of dollars in two weeks were outside of the companies. And so I remember myself that. For many weeks, I imagined that, oh my God, we are going to crash, not for economics, but because we stay in the financial phase. But at the end, I found a solution. And two years later, the company was so super successful for the dimension and for the market that are covered. And so I said to my friend, do you remember only two years ago, we have spent six months with the idea they are going to die, and now we are here drawing the results. No, so it's a good rule to remember. And I'm sure that the big players too have, for sure they have passed in some specific moments where maybe the investor are not sure to give you other money to move forward. No. And maybe it will happen to Amazon in the past, for example. And then they give you a money, and then, five years later, everyone recognized that you are one of the most profitable companies in the world, you know so sometimes the journey
1: is difficult. You have to be straight and don't panic.: Yes. So what is the secret of resilience? The secret of
0: resilience is education and resilience. It's like you know, my idea is that you can have a good idea thinking about the training to be a samurai or something like that you know you have to play the game and you became strong because every day you are training and you are not in hurry to learn and so the things that you have inside of you are strong you know so resilience is something you have to work to educate yourself like in the army. And when you are strong-trained, you can be resilient in a difficult period. You can't invent your resilience if you are not trained for that. You have to arrive to the first time that you need your resilience, train it. And in that case, you discover how the training works. It's like a, you know, the monkey, you know, in the Himalaya, they practice Kung Fu from when they are incredibly young, they start at four five years old. That's why when they are 80, they are able to practice Kung Fu like a young man, because they have created their resilience. That makes a lot of
1: sense. A lot of the same type of thing you said just in in flying. It's practicing the emergency procedures. You don't rise to the occasion. You fall back on your training. And so it's that training and and just that confidence because you've been there. You know how to handle the situation, even if you've never faced that exact same challenge in the real world before, that you're mentally prepared. It's true.
0: It's true because, for example, when you fly, for example, stupid things. You can try an emergency with your engine at minimum, but you can switch off. It's totally different. If you are trying an emergency with engine switched off, the motion is totally
1: different. 100%. Yeah, real emergency landing is way different than practice. When you will have one, the engine will stop. Sure is quiet when the engine's not on. Angela, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Any parting thoughts? Anything oh. that you would tell a young entrepreneur that's building a company? Thanks, Jeff. It was a very nice chat. Thanks for your questions.
0: I'm very happy to share my small story. Maybe that could be useful for other young entrepreneurs that try to do things.
1: I really enjoyed it. It was great talking with you. How can people find out more about you and Zakiki online? Ah, oh, for sure.
0: Zakiki.com. So it's simple. And they can find me, Angelo coletta on LinkedIn, or write me an email, a.colleta, c o l e t a at zakike.com.
1: Excellent. And we'll make sure and link all of that in the show notes. And Angelo, really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for being on SAS Fuel. Thanks to invite me. Hi, Jeff. Great job. Thanks, Jeff. I really enjoyed it. It was a fun conversation. Thanks, Jeff. You too.